The following message was recorded Wednesday, September 20, 2023. Pastor Ritt continues his series from the book of Ezekiel. Tonight we cover Ezekiel 28 verse 11 through verse 26. Who is the king of Tyre? And now, here's Pastor Ritt. Do you remember where we left off last week? Somebody remembers, right? You weren't here, okay. 16. Verse 16. What's, what was important about verse 16? What were we highlighting there? Now, what Ezekiel is talking about, it's the judgment of Tyre, right? And uh, Jeff, what did you tell me? You had God had no spare, no spare tire? Is that what it was? He wouldn't spare tire? No spare tire at that time, right? God predicted the complete judgment of Tyre. And he began in the chapter to talk about the prince of Tyre and the judgment that's coming upon the prince of Tyre. Now, who was the prince of Tyre? I'm sorry? No? No, the prince of Tyre was the actual civil ruler of Tyre. Okay? That's what he's talking about. Okay? The prince of Tyre. And I likened it unto the present administration. Is that old, feeble old man, is he the really one in control? No, but, but he, he's, if you look at the org chart, he's the president, right? And he's supposed to be in charge, but, but we know he's not in charge. There's other people who are controlling that situation, aren't there? Yeah. The, the war in Ukraine, whose war is that? It's Obama's war. That Biden is carrying on because it's, this is Biden, uh, This is Obama's third term. <laughs> so the Prince of Tyre, he mentions him, and he's talking about the judgment that's coming upon the Prince of Tyre. But then he moves to the real power behind the throne, the real power that's behind every leader in the world today. So Joe Biden spoke at the United Nations today. And isn't it interesting that there were no other world leaders there to hear him? Some representatives from various countries, but no world leaders to hear him. Hmm, interesting. That's what they think of Joe Biden in our nation now. But, but nonetheless, the king of Tyre is what he began to talk about last time we were together, the latter portions of chapter 28. And not the prince of Tyre, but the real power behind the throne, behind the prince, the king of Tyre. And who was that? Satan. Satan. Now, we know that Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light, and so can his demons. And, and because there are a lot of people who base their belief all upon their feelings, and it's all about feeling good, it's all about bless me, bless me, bless me, the overwhelming number of evangelicals. Now, I'm not talking about hyper-Pentecostals. I'm not talking about the crazies out there. I'm just talking about evangelicals. The overwhelming number of evangelicals today believe in the prosperity gospel. That the evidence that they are in God's favor is that they prosper materially and God takes care of them physically. Heals all of their diseases and makes them rich. Nothing could be farther from the truth, biblically, right? Right? Isn't that true? Yeah. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, those who will be deceived is because they are self-deceived, right? But we don't want to be deceived by the enemy. And so Satan here is disguising himself as an angel of light. Let's look at the text. Let's begin where he talks about the king of Tyre, the lamentation for the king of Tyre in chapter 28, verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation 
for the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, the emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbers and your pipes was prepared before, for you on the day that you were created. Wow. This is the most perfect and beautiful and majestic and gifted creation of all the angelic community, all the angelic hosts. And what's happening? Yeah, I, I think I said it last week. What happens when a person has the whole package? Pride. Pride enters in. You, you just happen to be so unfortunate that you have the whole package. You ever notice that people who seem to be so gifted are so shallow? You know, the handsome, beautiful people in the world. I'm so glad I'm ugly. You know, no, it's true. It's their, their, their depth of character just isn't there, you know? And when, when you don't have those advantages, when you don't, you know, I mean, hmm. What does the Bible say about Jesus and his appearance? I'm sorry? Downright ugly. Downright, I mean, he was, he's nobody that you'd want to take a second look at. What about the Apostle Paul? Oh, boy, he, he, you know, he, I mean, you look at the description of the Apostle Paul that they give us. He's like a Don Knotts with one big eyebrow across his forehead, you know? No, he did. He had one big eyebrow, you know, and he couldn't speak very well, squeaky voice. And that's the great Apostle Paul. But wow, how dynamic he was, right, through the Holy Spirit. How Jesus, this European Jesus that's always depicted is so far from the truth. No. But here, perfect in beauty, gifted beyond imagination. And rather than to thank God for it all, pride enters his heart. And then we said he wanted to usurp the very portion of the Godhead he was created to minister on behalf of. Who was that? Jesus. Remember we talked last time? Gabriel was created to minister on behalf of what part of the Godhead? The Holy Spirit, the messenger angel, Gabriel. Holy Spirit's the messenger. And Michael, Michael, the, the third archangel, was created to minister on behalf of what part of the Godhead? God the Father. God the Father. And Lucifer was created to minister on behalf of Jesus Christ. But he wants to usurp that glory, that authority, that power. He fell. Verse 14, you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You're on the holy mountain with God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fire. So this could be no human being, and it wasn't Adam. You were perfect in your ways, verse 15, from the day that you were created till iniquity is found in you. And by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within. If you look at verse 5, the same thing is said of the prince of Tyre. Verse 5 says, and your great wisdom in trade, you have increased your witches, your riches, your witches, yeah. What, what, what a, that too, yeah. We became the most prosperous nation on the face of the earth right after World War II. We rehearsed that a little bit of that history last time, didn't we? Remember? I mean, everyone else was, was in shambles. All of Europe was in shambles. The United Kingdom was in shambles. Japan, China, uh, Russia, 20 million people were, were murdered, were, I mean, were lost their lives in the war. And the only nation that was surviving, the industrial kings, the economic kings of the world, were who? And how Satan has used that to turn on us. 
The same thing would happen with the prince of Tyre, same thing with, with, the, with the devil. He always, he always baits us, and what does he use? If he doesn't use sex, he uses money, money, power. Money brings power, right? And so by their trade, by their economic strong, uh, strength, and by their economic ability, and, and so too. Now, how, how many times through our foreign policy over the decades have we tried to buy our friends? Now, as soon as, as soon as the money dries up, do we have friends? No. You see what Biden wants to do? Biden pledged how much to Ukraine now? How much, how much additional money? Does anybody know? $24 billion. $24. Now, wait a minute. What's the problem here? What happened to all the money we've given them already? You know there's no accounting whatsoever? It just, listen, it just goes from one pocket to another, doesn't it? And, and Ukraine is one of the most corrupt nations on the, on the face of the earth. We don't know where that money goes. But he, again, but with our foreign policy, we have tried to buy it. You cannot buy friendship. It's impossible. You can have some fair weather friends, but as soon as the party's over, as soon as the money runs out, well, they're gone too, aren't they? They fly away, fair weather. Hmm? And we've tried to do that. This is precisely what he's talking about here. I'm sorry? Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. Here's all the gold. And, and who's, who's the biggest purchaser of gold in the world today? No. Russia. All those petrodollars that Russia's getting now, the petro uh, yen, I guess it is, right? Because they're, they're selling their oil. I mean, these, these sanctions have done nothing to hurt Russia economically. You understand that? It's hurt Europe. It's hurt us, but it has done nothing to really hurt Russia. And, and Putin is using all of his reserves to purchase gold. Because very soon in the world, globally, what's, what's, what's your money going to be worth? <laughs> Nothing. It's just paper. It's just paper. The dollar is going to be just a piece of paper. The biggest mistake that was ever made was when we came off the gold standard, where every single dollar had to be backed up by a certain percentage of gold that we held. Real value. Interesting. Hmm. I'm so thankful I know God, that he's my father and his son. I am so thankful I have nothing to fear over what's going to come. Because my father promised, he would, he'll take care of me. One way or another, I'm going to escape all that's going on. Oh, king, we're not even careful how we answer you. Our God will deliver us from your hand, either in the fire or through the fire. But nonetheless, our God's going to deliver us. Is that not true? Yeah, yeah. So you keep that in your heart. Hmm? By the abundance of your trading, verse 26, 16, I mean, uh, you became filled with violence within. You have sinned. Therefore, I cast you out as a profane thing. Out of the mountain of God, I destroyed you. The covering cherub from the midst of the fiery stones, your heart was filled up because of your beauty, your corruption, your wisdom. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defied the sanctuaries of the multitude of your iniquities, and by the iniquity of your trading, therefore I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you. I turned you into ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. When did that happen? When did any of this happen? Hasn't happened yet. Remember, we, talk, we talked about the fall of Satan. The fall of Satan is progressive, right? Or degressive. It's a digression. It's a, a downward spiral. Uh, Satan fell from where to where right now? 
from his privileged, exalted position as that anointed cherub. He lost his position. You're fired. <laughs> That's what God said to him. You're fired. But he hasn't, he hasn't been banished from heaven yet, has he? No, he goes, he goes back and forth, to and fro, and he, he's before God accusing the brethren, right? But there's coming a time when he will be actually cast to the earth. And we read that last week. We looked at all of that, right? Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He hasn't fallen yet. I use the analogy that God is going to take Satan. He said, enough is enough. The devil is whose devil? God's, God's devil. And devil and evil, wickedness, rebellion, it all exists for the purpose of what? The glory of God. Now, if you really process it correctly, you're going to realize that all of these things that we, we consider so negative, they're, they're all working for God's glory. God will be glorified. He's glorified in judgment. He's glorified in forgiveness and redemption. But God is glorified either way. And, and there's going to come a day where Satan is going to come before God and he's going to say, enough. And he's going to take that rascal and he's going to body slam him to the earth. Hmm? And when he gets up off the ground, what does the scriptures tell us? He is absolutely enraged out of his demonic, evil, devilish mind. And who does he go after? Every Jew and every believer, every, every Christian and every Jew, you don't want to be here at that time. That's a, going to be a very, very, very difficult time to be here on the earth because there's going to be a great deception. And many will be martyred for their faith. Now, that's when he's cast from heaven. Oh, but then again, in his digression, in his fall, what's the next downward spiral for him? Not to the lake of fire yet. Michael comes down. Michael. Michael. We like Michael, don't we? Michael's a, yeah, yeah. He's a fixer. Get him, Michael. Get him. <laughs> and, and he casts him into the, the abyss. And he puts a seal on it. And how long does he have to stay there? 1,000 years. years. And just before the 1,000 years are finished, God releases him from the abyss, from the pit, so that he could go about. And everyone then who is born in a flesh and blood body will have an opportunity to either surrender to the Lord or rebel against the Lord. And Satan leads a worldwide rebellion against Jesus Christ, who's reigning on earth at that time. Isn't that unbelievable? But it's a short season. And then finally, finally, where is he cast? The lake of fire, Gahana, Gahana. And he will be no more. And we will also say, what else gets cast into the lake of fire? The death of death. Oh, has, has not the temporary separation from those that we love? I mean, really, it, it, you, you don't recover from it. I don't. I, I, mean, I know some of you haven't either. We've lost temporarily those that we love so dearly in this life. And, and you never, you know, you just get used to a new normal. I mean, you know, you, you, you don't get over it. When people told me that, just get over it. I wouldn't, I'll give you something to get over. You know, you don't get over it. Never, never. I don't ever want to get over it. I don't ever want to forget. Ever. Oh, but one day we'll be together. And one, I, can't wait, I can't wait for the day when I see the death of death. Yes. We know the pain that's caused us, don't we? The tears. Hmm? 
crying to where you have no more tears to cry. That dark night of the soul, where night after night after night, you can't even sleep. Hmm? We know. Oh, but one day, one day, and all that pain, all that suffering, and you, you consider all of the death that's occurred in this world as a result of that liar. You know. The text also tells us, the Bible tells us, when we see Satan, what are we going to say? Ha! <laughs> <laughs> you! 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 You're nothing. Who's that, who's that football guy that turned into the, the Hollywood uh, Johnson, somebody Johnson? Dwayne. Dwayne, John, Dwayne Johnson. You know, you all, you know, he's got muscles on his ears. You know? <laughs> no, he's got, he can flex his ears, you know? No, he's just, he's, you know, he's, he's built, right? Now, now, that's not Satan. Satan, nothing like that. You're going to look at Satan and say, you? How? Lies. Lies. Listen, the most powerful force, destructive force in the world, lies. Lies are what start wars. Lies are what divide families. Lies are what destroys lives. Isn't it? We're looking at Stephen on Sunday morning and, 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 and lies, falsely accused. Jesus himself. How many times have you been the subject of somebody's lies? I'd rather, get, I'd rather get in a fight and be physically punched than somebody lie about me, misrepresent my character. What can I do about that? Nothing. Nothing. That's his power. A lying tongue. Six things the Lord said. Yay, seven. You remember that? You know that proverb? Yeah. And what does he mention twice? A lying tongue. A lying tongue. Be careful. Be careful. Don't, don't talk about people. Don't gossip about people. You know, my wife and I have a rule now. If the person's not in the room, we don't talk about them. Unless it's good. If we have something really positive to say, praiseworthy, we'll, we'll do that. But if we have to say something negative, that person better be in the room. So just be careful when you invite us to dinner. It's not that way anymore. <laughs> uh. Verse 19, all who, knew you, uh, all who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You have become a horror and shall be no more forever. Praise the Lord. That'd be wonderful. No more forever. No more rebellion. No more violence. No more lies. None of the negative manifestations of the flesh will exist any longer. Wow. Hallelujah. Don't tell me something. Think about that. Yeah. When there's no more war. All these wars that go on. All this blood. I was reading an article about an amputee from Ukraine, uh, but in the article they said, do you know that there are more Ukrainians who have lost their limbs, and some of them multiple limbs, in, in the one year that that war has been going on than in the 20 years of the Afghan-Iraqi war? Did you know that? I didn't know that. More amputees. And it's almost, uh, it's, it's almost butchery. It's barbaric the way it's taking place in these field hospitals. There's no real medical. It's like the, 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 the Civil War here. You ever read about some of the unfortunate? Yeah. yeah. That's what's happening over there now. It's amazing. War, lies, hate, violence. It's all the devil. No more. Forever. 
Hallelujah. And, and now he's going to make a proclamation against the city of Sidon. Uh, what do we know about Sidon? I'm sorry? North of Tyre. It's a sister, sister city of Tyre. Uh, Tyre really made Sidon what it was, but all of the same ills that existed in Tyre existed in Sidon. So he's not going to go through that whole uh, plethora of things that he's against, but basically they're going to be judged in the same way, like the two cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Gomorrah, sister cities, but the same problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Sidon, and prophesy against it, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Sidon. I will be glorified in your midst. He's glorified in judgment, isn't he? Yes. And they shall know that I am the Lord when I execute judgments in her, and I am hallowed in her. For I will send pestilence upon her, and blood in her streets. The wounded shall be judged in her midst by the sword against her on every side. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. See? So one of the ways in which he proves his lordship is through judgment. Now, I don't want to know about his lordship in judgment. Do you? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm happy to submit, to bow my knee, to confess with my tongue. He is the Lord of lords and king of kings because of his mercy, because of his forgiveness, because of his great grace. There's such a misunderstanding of the gospel, the truth of the gospel today, isn't there? Yeah. The first thing everybody says is, don't you know God loves everybody? And God loves you. And he has your very best in mind. He just wants you to be a happy girl. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, Santa, Jesus, you know? It's just not true, is it? No, it's not true. Perfect love loves, but it's a love that has conditions. Once you enter into that love, it's unconditional, right? It's sacrificial. But the king says, this is the way in which I can be approached through your surrender. You live for me. It's not the other way around. But today, what's the interpretation of the gospel? God lives for my pleasure. God lives for my happiness. God lives for my every want. Isn't that, isn't that true? That's, what, that's why the prosperity gospel is so prevalent within evangelicalism today. It's so far from the truth. Uh, I'm not a prophet. Can I make a prediction now? 2025. Hang on to your faith in the word of God. Because 2025 is going to be a very distressing, catastrophic year. Once we get through this election, this election year, next year, 2024, it's, it's all going to implode. If we're still here. Hopefully we won't be, right? Next year, Jerusalem. The heavenly Jerusalem. Yes. Yes. And the revelation, when all that judgment comes, rather than surrender and submit to him, they curse him. 
What did you say to me, Frank, in the car and picked you up tonight? And you said, uh, what's coming is either going to cause people to draw to him, run to him, or what? Run away. Run away. Yeah. And that, listen, more people are going to run away than run to him. Far more. But you're right, Carolyn. This, God, God is, is letting the world know. Putting, listen, 60% of the population here in the United States, 60%, not the church, I'm not talking about the church, 60% of the entire population believe we're in the end. Can you imagine that? They haven't saw through one of my messages. <laughs> but we are, aren't we? We're in the, no, we're in the last days. The last minutes of the last days. And 60% of the population believe that. They're, they're, I'm not talking about Christians now. They know something's seriously wrong. You have to be an ostrich with your head in the sand not to realize something is very, very wrong. Isn't it? Yeah. Well, Verse 23, and I will send pestilence upon her and blood in her streets, and the wounded shall be judged in her midst by the sword against her on every side, and then they shall know that I am the Lord, and there shall no longer be a prickling bear, a burr or a painful thorn for the house of Israel from among all who are around them, so who despise them, then they shall know that I am the Lord God. What's he saying there? Verse 24, what's he saying? I'm sorry? He's talking about Israel. Yeah, all those thorns in Israel's side. God's going to destroy them. Has that occurred yet? No, no. Now, he's going to go way out into the millennial future of Israel, is what he's talking about. And Psalm 83, I believe the judgment of the nation surrounding Israel, that's yet to occur. Um, Isaiah 17 is yet to occur. I think that's going to occur pretty soon. What is that? Damascus, the complete destruction of the city of Damascus. That's never happened. Damascus is one of the oldest inhabited cities on the fifth year. Didn't you know that? But God predicts that Damascus in Isaiah 17 is going to be completely destroyed, never to be inhabited again. Now, that hasn't happened. I believe it's going to happen very soon. Why? What's going on in Damascus? What's going on in Syria? It's a, it's a proxy state for Iran. Iran's a proxy state now for... Russia, this week, did you see how Iran and Russia are drawing closer and closer together? Iran, Russia, North Korea, China, and talk about an axis of evil. Goodness. Hmm? But what God is saying here is that all of those who are a thorn in her side, and look at the, the acts of terror that have ramped Anybody watch uh, TV7 Israel News every day? It's a little 12-minute segment. You watch that? Now, every day they've been talking about all of the counter-terrorist activity that the IDF is involved in. Every single night, they're, they're, they're being extremely successful, having a little help, you know, from up on high, but they're extremely successful in thwarting many of these plots to kill innocent civilians within Israel. Watch, watch TV7, Israel News. It's a, they're Messianic Jews. And it's only a 12-minute broadcast every day giving you a short, concise snapshot of what's going on in the Middle East and what's going on specifically with Israel. Uh, if, if you're not listening, you should, okay? Um, but nonetheless, we see that, that, that the terror activity is ramping up in Hamas in Lebanon with, with Hezbollah and all Iranian proxies. 
And now Iran this week refused to let who do what? The, yeah, the inspectors for the uh, Nuclear Atomic Energy Commission that are supposed to be watching the Iranians to make sure that they're not using this for evil purposes refuse to allow them in now. And what do we do to reward them? Give them really $6 billion. And what, and what do you think they're going to do with that $6 billion? Build more schools and hospitals and... Yeah, yeah, far from it. Amazing. But God says all of that, all of that is going to come to an end. We're going to see very soon where Isaiah 17 and, and, and Psalm 83 will be fulfilled. And, and then we're going to see what's going to happen as a result of that. We're going to see the Gog Magog invasion of Israel. And who leads that invasion? Russia. Russia. With whom? Second principal player? Iran. Iran. And then who after Iran? Turkey. Turkey. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. We'll spend the remainder of our time in these last two verses, 25 and 26. I have a heading in my Bible. Do you have a heading in your Bible on verse 25? Yes. Israel gathered in security. What did you say? Future gathering of Israel. Anybody else have something different? Future blessings. Future blessings. Now, now what is the greatest future blessing that Israel is looking forward to? The Messiah, the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. That'll happen after the church is raptured. Then Israel will, what's, what's, what's this Sunday, the 24th? Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. What's going to happen on the Day of Atonement? Maybe not this year. Obviously not this year. We're still here. <laughs> Maybe next year. What's going to happen on the Day of Atonement? Yes, God's going to pour out his spirit upon the Jew, and they will see him whom they have pierced. Jesus said, you'll not see my face again until you say? Blessed is the Lord. Yeah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He said, you're not going to see my face again. Israel, speaking to the Jew now, you won't see my face again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the Messiah. They'll recognize him for who he really is. That, that's going to take place. And when that does, then he's going to establish his millennial reign. That's precisely what Ezekiel is talking about here in verses 25 and 26. Look with me. Thus says the Lord God, when I have gathered the house of Israel from the peoples among whom they are scattered and am hollowed in them in the sight of the Gentiles, then they will dwell in their own land, which I gave to my servant Jacob. So he's going to regather the people from all of the nations in which they've been dispersed. Now, when did that happen? When, were, when was Israel dispersed among all the nations of the world? When in the Old Testament? That's not the Old Testament. No. When did it happen in the Old Testament? It didn't. It didn't. It happened in 70 AD. Okay? After Israel was destroyed, they were dispersed throughout all of the nations of the world, and God has promised repeatedly through the prophets that there's going to be a regathering of his people from that diaspora, from that dispersion. Throughout all the nations of the world, he's going to bring them back into the land. Now, now the Ayatollah a few years back said, oh, this is wonderful. This is, uh, this is, so, this is Allah giving us the opportunity to kill every Jew with one cloud. Gather them all together in the land, back in the land, and we'll just nuke them out of existence, and we deal with the problem once and for all. That's what they believe. But God said he's not, he's not bringing them back into the land to nuke them, is he? No, he's bringing them back in the land to be a blessing, and all of the Gentile powers of the world will see it, and they'll know. Now, if, if they don't know already, after the 48 war, after the, the, the 
68 with a 73 war. I mean, it was so obvious that God was intervening and protecting his people. So many miraculous events. But there's coming another time where all of the world is going to see that the God of Israel does exist. And he doesn't sleep, doesn't slumber. He watches over Israel. He keeps his people. It's wonderful. God has not forsaken his covenant promises that he made with the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And they were unilateral, not bilateral, right? He didn't say, I will if you will. No, there are some things where he says, I will if you will. But in the preservation of the Jewish people and and the favored nation status of Israel, he says, I will, I will, I will, I will. Not dependent upon them. He's going to bring it about. Hmm? Again, verse 26 and they will dwell safely there, build houses, plant vineyards. Yes, they will dwell securely when I execute judgments on all the sur- those around them who despise them, and then they shall know that I am the Lord God. Hmm. Zechariah tells us that how many nations of the world will come against Jerusalem? All. How many might all be? All. Does that include the United States? Australia, England, all, all nations will be deceived in believing that the Jews, they're the problem. Did you hear King Abdullah from uh, Jordan make his presentation to the United Nations today? He he, he said that the overwhelming concern of the nations of the world, the only way we're going to bring peace is to bring a, a peace to the situation between the Jews and the Palestinians. And the only way to bring that about, so the, the prince in Saudi Arabia is, is for how? two-state solution. Dividing Jerusalem and dividing the nation of Israel. God says there's two reasons for the judgment of the Gentile nations in the world. Two. He says it in the Old Testament. He says it again in the New Testament. You have dispersed my people, Israel. You've sold my children for economic gain, basically is what he says in the Old Testament. And did we not sacrifice Jewish blood for Arab oil? There's no doubt about that. And then the second thing he says is you divided my land. No Gentile power has attempted to divide the land of Israel until right now. And the nations of the world will be judged for it. That's what he's talking about here. And they will, see, they will know that God will be glorified. Does God have a future plan for Israel? Absolutely. No doubt about that. Hmm? Let's look at, in our time remaining, let's go to Romans 9, 10, and 11. Let's look there. I just want to go through that quickly with you. I want you to, to have a, a love and appreciation and understanding of God's heart for his covenant people Israel. If God would not be, remain faithful to the promises he's made to Israel, he has no, we have no reason to believe he's going to remain faithful to the promises he's made to us. Is that not true? But God will be found faithful. Even, even though his people are faithless, even though we are faithless, he is faithful. Why? He cannot deny himself that he's poured so much of himself in the fathers of Israel, in the people of Israel, in the Jews. He's poured so much of himself in the church. He cannot deny. I will never, ever, 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 ever deny that my son is not my son. He's my son. No matter what may happen, I will never not love him. He will never not be my son. I will never deny him. That's how God feels about his children both Israel and the church, right? Mm. But here in chapter 9, um, 
You know, Paul presents the problem in the world today in the first seven chapters of, of Romans that there are some people who are just hedonistic, you know, just evil, and then just, just overcome by evil. And these, these hedonistic people are just lost, lost in their sin. And then there's people who are lost in their religiosity, you know, um, just believing that through their own self-righteousness they're going to achieve acceptance before God. And, and that's either extreme isn't going to benefit you. You're still damned. You're still lost, right? All the world is lost before him. And, and Paul says, who will, who will save us? O wretched man that I am, that which I will to do, I do not. That which I will not to do, I do. O wretched man that I am, who will save me? And he breaks into that wonderful, glorious eighth chapter of Romans with the solution the, to the problem. What's the solution? God, through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, dwelling within us, rescuing us from ourselves, saving us, right? Uh, but then he goes on into the fact that, 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 listen, God is faithful. God will be faithful to us, what we call the church today, but, but God will remain faithful to Israel. And God sovereignly has elected Israel as his own. And he will maintain them as his own. And that's what Paul is going to present here in these three chapters, is that God's faithfulness and God's sovereignty and he elected Abraham. He elected Isaac. He elected Jacob. He elected the 12 tribes. He elected you. He elected you. You didn't choose God. I, I got saved back in 1980. In 1980, everybody's wearing these buttons say, I found it. Yeah, yeah, anybody remember that? Yeah. I found the buttons. Would you, you know, and the people are supposed to ask the question, what would you find? Was God lost? You know, I didn't know God was lost. Right? I didn't find God. Who was lost? I was. Who got found? I did. I did. And it's all the work of God. You, you have no inclination towards God, no desire for God if God doesn't put it within you first. Do you understand that? Now that's what he's going to present here. And listen, some of you may have a problem with that, and I know you do. I'm sorry. It's the word of God, and it's true. God is sovereign, and he is God in salvation. Salvation is not of man, it's of the Lord. And the, the salvation of Israel, the rescue of Israel, is all dependent upon God. It's not dependent upon Israel. Not at all. That's what Paul is going to present. So let's look at it quickly. Chapter 9, verse 1 of Romans. I tell you the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I, would, I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, for my countrymen, according to the flesh. I got to be honest with you, I have never felt that way. I, I, you know, I, I feel bad for lost people, and I, I do everything I can to witness to people. I'll, I'll, I won't cast my pearls to swine. And I just won't waste my time. With, when, when I recognize there's nothing fruitful going on, I just, you know, I'm not going to save anybody. God saves. You know what my adventure is? It's to discover who it is that the Holy Spirit is targeting. And then I want to I fish where the fish are, right? Yeah. And God brings that about. You don't, right? But here Paul is, Paul is saying, I would be a If it were possible, I myself would lose my relationship with God. I would be accursed for the sake of my brethren, the Jew. Is it possible? No. You don't save anybody. And your sacrifice won't save anybody. It's the sacrifice of Jesus. But no one becomes aware of that meaningfulness of that sacrifice without the Holy Spirit working within them, opening up their eyes to see, opening up their heart. Bring him to that place of surrender. Who are Israelites? 
And to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, the promises. When he talks about the law, he's talking about the Torah, verse 5. Of whom are the fathers, and of whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. Now, what he's, what he's going to go on to say is, listen, all of these benefits and all these blessings that Israel thinks they have, they only have them because God gave them to them. But if they think they're going to receive acceptance before God by their own fleshly performance to these things, it's impossible, right? But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel. Is all the church the church? Is every Christian Christian? Every Jew Jew? All of Israel Israel? No, no. He's talking about the difference between those who are spiritual Israel, spiritual Jews, spiritual Christians, spiritual church, right? As opposed to just being in name only, okay? And that's very important. And so we know that the Jews felt very secure in their own self-righteousness. Verse 7, nor are they all children because they are of the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac your seed shall be called, in the son of promise. The son of promise wasn't Ishmael, right? He was the son of the flesh, remember? Sarah hadn't conceived yet, and they thought, well, you know, God, God obviously forgot what he had promised, and so now we'll come up with plan B. Plan B didn't work out very well, did it? To this day, it's a thorn in Israel's side, that plan B with Ishmael, Right? But it was through the son of promise, Isaac, who was a type of who? Jesus. Jesus, the true son of promise, right? That's what he's talking about there. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of promise are counted as the seed, for this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only that, but Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac. For the children not yet being born, not having done any good or evil at the purpose of God according to... Oh, there's a lot of people that really have a lot, a lot of indigestion over this. Does God not have the right? Does he? Is he God? Now, why would you stand in judgment of God? That God you know, basically what so many in the church are saying today, hyper grace, and, and so many at that time are saying, well, it's not fair. God is not fair. He's just not just. How could we so fallen as we are, stand, attempt to stand in judgment of a holy God for a moment. I just accept it. God can save whoever it is he wills to save. And he will allow to be damned those whom he allows to be damned. Is that not true? Can you not accept that? For the purpose according to election might stand not of works, but of him who calls. God's the one who calls, doesn't he? And it was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob, I have, and Esau, I have. Well, that's a hard pill to swallow too, isn't it? The sovereignty of God, the election of God. Does anybody deserve to be saved? No. We call it amazing grace. That's what we've seen. It's, ama it's amazing grace. It's a, listen, it's amazing that anyone would be saved. 
The question is why? Why do bad things happen to such good people? Isn't that what everybody asks all the time? Why did God let that happen to me? I'm such a good guy. No, no, no. The question is why does anything, anything good happen to us such bad people? Bad? That's amazing. Anything good would happen. You know, God has the right. He'll, he'll save whom he wills to save. Now, our adventure, as I said, now, it doesn't, it doesn't prevent me not to win. I witness all the time. My adventure is to continually throw out some lures and see who bites. And then I know that, that God's at work. God's doing something, you know? Yeah. Hoping Justin comes to church Sunday. And I had to have my coat, my car towed away, you know? These, these modern cars with all the technology and all those computers, you know? One little thing, and they just start hiccuping, and they don't want to work. We're not moving, you know? Don't you? Oh, so frustrating. So the tow truck driver came, you know? And right away, I saw he had a Shelby phone number. And, oh, you live in Shelby? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, hmm. You ever hear Elizabeth Baptist? Oh, yeah, yeah. So then pretty soon, I'd, hey, I'm going to come look at your church. Check it out. OK, great. You come. So if Justin comes, you know, you'll notice this, this stranger. He's a, he's a big fella, you know? But if he comes, welcome him, love on him. But I'm always showing up. And I'm, now, quite often, nobody bites. Nothing. You know, how often does that happen, too, right? Well, well you know, and it's dead. Well, you just stop there, right? Nothing you're going to do. You know, you don't save anybody, beloved. God does. And he'll just use you to help be a testimony and a witness, right? Verse 14, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I have mercy. I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. It is amazing he has mercy and compassion on anyone. Anyone. So then, it is not him who wills, all right, your own desire, nor him who runs your own works, but of God who shows mercy. It's not by your will, and it's not by your works. It's simply a work of God. He brings you to that place. Do you believe that? Yes. Yeah, I hope you do. I really do. Because, because anything else than you believe, you save yourself. And that's impossible. And if you believe you saved yourself, then you need to keep yourself saved. I am so glad I rest in my Father's salvation. Being confident of this very thing that he, he who began this good work, will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad of that? Yeah. Is God not sovereign in justification? Is God sovereign in sanctification? Is God sovereign in glorification? Okay, then rest in it. We, we should, of all people on the face of the earth, we should be the most joyous. Because God has adopted us and allowed us now to be his child. And he is our father now and forever. He'll never deny us, nor forsake us. Praise God. So thankful for saving grace. So then, it is not him who wills, nor him who runs, but God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to the Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. He has raised Pharaoh up to glorify him. How is he glorifying himself? In the judgment of Egypt. In the rebellion of Pharaoh. Isn't that amazing? The devil is the Lord's devil, and he's going to exist as long as God wants him to, and not a moment longer, and he exists just like evil exists right now for the purpose of glorifying God. 
Now, I want you to be careful. You and I, as God's children now, we need to be very, very careful and keep ourselves unexposed from the works of darkness. If, if you get curious or fascinated or interested in what Satan is doing, be very, very careful. That is dangerous. It's going to affect you, and it can affect you in ways that you're not even conscious of initially or realizing. It's very unhealthy to have that. As in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the return of the Son of Man. What was characteristic of the days of Noah when we talk about occultism or Satanism or evil? It was rampant. It was rampant. This obsession with occultism. And that's what we see today. Now, now be very listen. I don't care who tells you, oh, this is so accurate. This, this movie so portrays what demon possession is really like. Do you need to know? No. You don't want to know. A few years ago, I had a lady call me up. She said, I understand your, 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 your church really uh, specializes in exorcisms, demon possession. No, ma'am, that's not who we are. Let me give you a couple of names. You know? I, I stay as far away. Listen, I, I, I got on to that and so unhealthily interested in that long before my salvation. It's, it started with, with Edgar Casey, and it went downhill from there. And, and then, I, I mean, listen, I would... I was being bullied and, and terrorized by the enemy. That can happen. So you, beloved, as God's children, you need to be very, very careful. You don't need to know what the enemy is doing. Mm -mm. You stay focused on what Jesus is doing. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. Let everybody else look for Antichrist. Because right? I'm the restrainer. He ain't showing up until I leave here. You understand that, right? Mm. So be careful. Because it will affect you. It affects you spiritually, it affects you emotionally and mentally. Do not have an interest in evil. Stay away from it. If, if, a lot of people get, a, get just, I don't know what it is, they get these adrenaline rushes from these horror movies. They're horrible. You know, give me a, a Hallmark movie anytime, you know? A Black Beauty, you know? I, I listen, I don't need to have my dark mind stimulated by that stuff. Right? Be very, very careful. A friend of mine was going to have a movie night at his house, and he was going to show this movie about this, this, this demon possession situation. And, and, and I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's the Feast of Trumpets. It's Rosh Hashanah. It's a holy week. It's a holy day. Why would you want to do that? No, 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 you know, in, in defense. I mean, he's a young, young believer. I mean, but I, but I explained it to him. Oh, man, you know, you're right. Called off that movie, had another one, a more God-honoring. You understand what I'm saying to you? Be careful. Be careful. I, 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 have, the, I have enough knowledge of evil. I don't need to add anything to it. I want to continue to mature in the good, in righteousness, in holiness. Hmm? Yes, God's going to judge Satan. He raised up Pharaoh. He's judging Pharaoh, and it's all for his glory. Verse 18, therefore, he has mercy on whomever he wills, and on whomever he wills, he hardens. And you will say to me, why does he still find fault? 
For who has resisted his will? But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? You heard about the, the, uh, the people who are suing their parents because they didn't ask to be born. Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy on which he had prepared beforehand for glory? Even us, whom he called not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. As he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people, and her beloved who is not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where I said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. What's he talking about there? Yeah, you, had the, you had the national rejection of Jesus by the Jews, and now Jesus is going to the Gentiles, and he's going to be a blessing to the Gentiles. The people, the people who are not his people become his people. And the people who were his people are no longer his people, but all that's going to get reversed. And it's 8.30, so we'll continue on next week. <laughs> the mind can only comprehend what the sea can endure. Right? Were you squirming, my dear? No? Okay. No, sometimes, you know, these seats aren't the most comfortable. But next week, go, continue on. I want to... I want to Continue to develop these three chapters. And when you, when you really study through these three chapters, you are so thankful for God's sovereign election in your life. It's not, listen, it's not by chance. It's not by chance you were born. And it's not by chance you've been saved. It's God's will. It's God's will you were born the first time. It's God's will you were born the second time. What did I tell you before? Did you, what did you have to do with your first birth? Nothing. No, absolutely nothing, did you? No, you just showed up, right? Somebody else had a good time, and you showed up. <laughs> and that somebody else was God, right? He fashioned you. He had a big sense of humor when he fashioned you. you look at this guy. <laughs> what did you have to do with your second birth? Just as much as you had to do with your first birth, right? Nothing. Now, we don't, listen, our pride doesn't want to believe that. It's, it's pride that wants me to believe I, uh, listen, I, I was wise enough, I was smart enough, I was intelligent enough, I was kind enough to choose God. No, you weren't. And if you're taking credit for your salvation, then you saved yourself. And if you saved yourself, you better keep yourself saved. Right? And that's those folks who believe you can lose your salvation. Is that possible? No, no, no. But continue on reading chapters 9, 10, and 11, and you'll realize what a debt of, of thanksgiving we owe to God and to the Jewish people, to Israel. We have now become the Israel of God. And you'll see that in the text where, where we were not the natural branch, we were the wild branch, right? And some of you are more of a wild branch than others, right? But we were grafted into that which was natural. And if he could do that for the wild branch, he says he's going to, in the very near future, he's going to regraft in the natural branch and how much easier it'll be for them. If their rejection of their Messiah has been blessing to us, what will their acceptance be one day when they say, What will their acceptance be? What does it say? What? What? As one coming back from the dead. 
Can you imagine if Bradley walked in here tonight? Or Gus? Or my Roberta? I'd be, I'd be out of my mind with joy. Think about it. Someone you love has gone before, right? But all of a sudden, now there's life from the dead. And you'll be together forever and ever and ever, never, ever to be separated again. That's going to be the experience of all the world when the Jews are reunited, when that natural branch is brought back in. Wow. If the rejection has brought such blessing to us, how much more their acceptance. And yet the anti-Semitism is growing in Christendom more and more. And it's unbelievable to me. Unbelievable to me. Why? Why? Because you got all these churches that don't teach the Old Testament, they won't teach Bible prophecy, and they stay away from anything that has to look too Jewish. Shall we stand? Thank you for listening to this message from Community Chapel of Greenville. For more information and to find more messages like this, please visit to www.ccgreenville.org. It is our desire to see our Lord high and lifted up, and to see His people grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.